You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezer Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the Indian of Shabbos. And tonight we're going to continue with the idea or the concept of Motzei Shabbos. Now, two weeks ago, when we last met, we spoke about Rava the Ravin, we spoke about the third meal, Shalashud this time, that time where the individual is meant to cultivate an awareness of the transiency of Shabbos to face the ebbing away of Shabbos while still holding on to it. The awareness that on the one hand, Shabbos is about to end, yet on the other hand, in the face of its eventual ending, we're forced to redouble down our grasp of Shabbos and to throw ourselves, like we saw in the name of the Piazetzne Rebbe, Hashem Yim Kom Domo, and Rafael Zeitlin, Hashem Yim Kom Domo. That the time of Shalashudis is a time of overcoming the natural tendency towards the despondency that is born in the absence of things, and to find within oneself that desire for desire that can only be born out of an awareness of lack. Tonight, what we're going to speak about is not the anticipation of the death of Shabbos, but the death of Shabbos itself. Now, like we said in the beginning shirim, in particular on the shirim of Arab Shabbos, the entirety of Shabbos on a certain level is framed by the awareness that Shabbos will eventually die. When Chazal try and tell us the source text or the textual evidence of the fact that we are endowed with an additional spirit comes Shabbos, so the Pasuk that Chazal Darshan is Shabbos Vayinafash, that Kevan Shashavas Vayavdanafash, that the Jewish individual, as Shabbos settles in, as we become so inflamed and excited and awoken with the potency of Shabbos that is beginning to emerge, we find ourselves face to face with the anticipatory anxiety over the eventual departure of Shabbos. That kevan shashabbos vayavdenefesh, when Shabbos is over, woe to me that I have lost my soul. And from that anticipatory dread over the departure of the soul on Motzei Shabbos, we learn at the outset of Shabbos about the intensity of what that Neshama Yaseira means. So on a certain level, what we experience on Motzei Shabbos is the origin of the Shabbos experience, almost as if to say it is only by way of acknowledging the harrowing experience of the Chol, in particular Motzei Shabbos, that retroactively speaking, we can understand the depth of what happens on Shabbos itself. Now, as we've discussed throughout the shirim, we've gone through already the stages of preparation, the stages of the intensity of concealment that emerges in a person's life at the time of Arab Shabbos. Like our tzaddikim told us that 
the deepest point of spiritual revelation takes place on Shabbos, and therefore the deepest darkness of spiritual concealment takes place on Erev Shabbos, because commensurate with the incoming light is going to be a commensurate darkness that we experience first and foremost. Then we spoke about the experience of Friday night, where we take this world and we transform it to reveal the spiritual potency that rests within physicality, which is above and beyond Shemayim itself, something that the Malachim, the celestial energies, have no access to. That point where it's yesh and yan, there is an ability to transform that hierarchical binary opposition that we typically associate our lives with where we typically look at Shamayim as the ideal and Aretz as the broken reality. Friday night is the time that we flip the broken reality to be the very seat of the ideal itself, which is why we said in the name of Rav Matal that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi would come back from Shamayim, so to speak, to be Moitzi, his family in Kiddush on Friday night, because Friday night is the time where we reveal that this world is even higher than Gan Eden. Then we experience the day of Shabbos itself, which is difficult in the words of Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern Shlita to describe as an experience because it is a ta'anug she'eno morgash. It is a pleasure that is so potent that it can only be felt by a willingness to accept pleasure even when I don't feel it. The ability to act as if, to live in that space of suspended doubt and to be present in the moment of Shabbos day, even though we don't necessarily feel it. That's where that dilug comes from, by our ability to scream out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where are you? And in that screaming out to encounter the deepest power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. Then we moved forward into Rava Duravin, into Shalashudis, where we spoke about the cultivation of the desire for desire the need for the human being to experience some element of lack in their lives in order to accentuate and intensify the desire for something. Because without lack, without deficiency, then fullness and wholeness become boring and stale. But it's the lack that gives birth to the desire for desire, that ra'ava deravin, that finds its potency specifically as the brazen dogs bang on the doors of our minds to enter back in to confuse us and occlude our minds, that we're capable of really encountering the true power, that silent dusk-like experience of the poetic, almost mournful ecstasy of Shalashuddis. And when we come to Motzei Shabbos, what we experience is death itself. What we experience is a small death in our own lives and a collective death in terms of the time process and the continuing march that time engages in, swallowing up what happened in the past, reminding us the painful memory that what has happened will not last. And the soul is thrown into a, a, a certain chaos. Now, there are certain halachos even that describe the fact that Motzei Shabbos is a zeranpin of death. It's a miniature experience of death because what we were endowed with on Shabbos itself, that neshama yaseira, that extraness, that more, that miraculous ability to be more than what we actually are, to uncover that ode within us, that bechina of ode ma'at ve'en rasha, that each and every person has an ode within them, a moreness within them, an element of excess that is concealed and hidden throughout the week. But on Shabbos, we uncover the potencies of the self that exceed the self itself. 
which is a miracle. It's a nace. It's the makam ha'aron she'enam in amida, that place of the kodesh akadashim, which takes up space. Yet at the same point, it has no space and no measurements because it's a place within us that remains dormant until Shabbos comes. We find that neshama yaseira, that extraness to our experience, and comes motzei Shabbos, we lose that. The neshama yaseira departs, and there's a certain expiration of the self. A part of us quite literally dies. Now. The Zohar HaKadosh, the Idra has very important Lashon to frame any discussion about death. Because when we're speaking about death, as Rashbi does, as our tzaddikim do, ultimately Sisrei Torah and Panimiya Satara are coming to answer the very real question of how does a, a spiritual individual, how does a neshama live in the face of death? That's one of the animating questions that drive all movements of Panimiya Satara. And there's a statement in the Zayar HaKadosh that says that kol man denachas nikra misa, that anybody who descends from a level that they were standing at previously is considered as if they have died. So we're not speaking about the actual departure of an individual soul from the body, but what our teachers teach us is that you don't need to come onto that horrifying experience to understand what death means. Our job is to try and understand the sugya of death before death so that we can properly face it and we can be mahapich misa in tachayim, to reveal the depths of life that are hidden within the recesses of death, as Rav Cook would say. These are the secrets that stand at the apex of the panimiya satora, the secret of ketores, the secret of being able to find life and vitality within that which appears to be poisonous and broken. Like Chazal tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu needed to end the magefa. And he ended it through the power of the Ketairas, through the power of that pungent smell of those spices that emerges specifically out of their severity. Chazal tell us, where did Moshe Rabbeinu learn the secret of Ketairas? So Chazal say that during the 40 days and the 40 nights that Moshe Rabbeinu was up high in the spiritual realms, in the supernal realms, when he was no longer a body, so that he received matanos, he received gifts from all of the different malachim, all of the different celestial forces. But after Moshe Rabbeinu had received all of his gifts and it was time for him to come back down to the mountain to give over the gifts that he had received to the Jewish people, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I haven't received something from the malachim of us. I haven't received a gift yet from the malachim of us, from the angel of death that dark cloud that hovers above all human experience, that opens one's eyes at that moment of transiency to force us to acknowledge that what we hope will last will ultimately not last. And the gift that Moshe Rabbeinu wrestles out of the hands of the Malach HaMavis, Chazal tell us, is going to be the gift of the Ketairas, the gift of transforming death into life. The gift of uncovering how within the depths of severity, within the strongest, most unrefined and unfixable elements of gvura, of severity and harshness, that therein lies the deepest potency that allows us, as Rabbi Nassim says in the name of the Tzaddik, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, yesh inyan There is something that has the ability to transform everything, quite literally everything from darkness into good. And that is going to be a little bit of the sugya that we're going to be discussing tonight with regards to Motzei Shabbos. Because on the one hand, Motzei Shabbos is the trauma of death. It's the departure of the soul, which is why we need to smell smelling salts to revive ourselves. It is why we encounter fires of severity and we need to gaze into that fire. 
because it's a frightening time. It's the time that Gehenim gets rolling again. It's the time that hell, both in this world and out of this world, begin to assert their fierceness on the world, gnashing their terrible teeth and clawing their terrible claws. But on the other hand, what we learn from our tzaddikim is that Motzei Shabbos is a time of remarkable hashra, a time of a remarkable experience of the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to the extent that the way one encounters HaKadosh Baruch Hu on Motzei Shabbos and the way that the Jewish people experience Motzei Shabbos, as we're going to see in the, names of Rav, in the words of Rav Kook, is unique. So on the one hand, we're dealing with a deeply dark territory of death, which is the awareness of mourning. Yet on the other hand, there's an ecstatic experience of connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is why the Lashon, the title of this year, is going to be Mournful Ecstasy, the ability to recognize that within the mournful pain over the departure of that extra soul on Motzei Shabbos, what we encounter is an opening of the possibilities of an ecstasy of the soul, of a connectivity of a dveikus, of a hisairus, of a movement of the spirit that is inaccessible the rest of the week. Now to begin with, there are many Lashonos in the Zohar HaKadosh and Ewer Tzadikim who describe the harrowing experience of Motzei Shabbos, how we fall from the lostiest of heights down to the depths and the degraded experience of Chol. One of those Lashonos which are expressed most precisely is the writings of Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meilublin. In Prihat Tzadik, in the writings that Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meilublin, the drashos that he gave on the Parshia Satora, where he speaks about the different meals of Shabbos, every Shabbos, or almost every Shabbos, also has a drasha from Achar Havdala, Torah that Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meilublin, Schusi Yoganalenu, gave over at the departure of Shabbos. And Rav Tzadok says this time and time again, how the experience of Motzei Shabbos is quite literally a traumatic fall from on high to down below, from life into death, from light into darkness, from hope into hopelessness, from excitement into despair. And one of the places that this comes out most explicitly, and it's an incredibly beautiful teaching because he attributes it to his teacher, the Meshiloyach, the Tzadik from Ishbitz, and he says as follows, now, this is going to be recorded in the third volume of Meshiloach, which is not really a volume of Meshiloach, but rather it's called Lekute Meshiloach, the collected teachings of Rav Mordechai Yosef of Ishbitz, which are the teachings from Rav Tzadok where he says, Shamati. When Rav, when Rav Tzadok says, Shamati, that I heard from my Rebbe, he doesn't really say, I heard from my Rebbe, he says, I heard. The Messiah is that he heard it from the Ishbitzer. And Rav Tzadok writes as follows, and this is going to be found in Pre Tzadik Parshas Boy Achar Havdala. <clears throat> he says as follows, on the pasuk Hishlech Meshamayim Aretz, that the individual, the soul, is thrown down from above to below, from Shemayim to the land, from hope to hopelessness. Ve'isa b'Gemara, and the Gemara says in Maseches Chagiga, Me'igra Ram Labira Amikta. That what this Pasuk means, Hishlich Meshamayim Aretz, means that the individual is thrown from the loftiest of heights, the highest potency of spirituality, what we experience by Ravid Ravin on Shabbos Day, which means for us on a practical level, the ability of an individual to be okay within themselves, to be okay with regards to their relationships with the other, and to find a sense of okayness within the world. That gift of Shabbos, we fall from that place into the bira amikta, into the depths of the abyss. 
not simply transitioning back into whole, but we fall all the way down. We fall down into that existential fear and the anxiety and the angst that assaults the individual at almost every moment of their waking lives. And if Sadduk says, Azoi, he says, Vishamati me admor zal. And I heard in the name of, and I heard from the mouth of our Rebbe, the Meshiloyach, Sha'amar Bishem Harav Hagon, Hari Posner. And it's unique in the sense that it's the Meshiloyach quoting somebody, Hari Posner. Shabamoitse Shabbos, when Motse Shabbos comes, that when Motzei Shabbos arrives, it's as if a person is being taken from the loftiest of heights and being thrown down to the abysmal depths. And for this reason, and for this reason, on Motzei Shabbos, we repeat the Pasuk, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is my salvation. I will have trust in Him and I will not be afraid. And I will not be afraid. And Zakhtar of Tzadok, There's no reason to warn a person not to be afraid unless there's a real reason to be afraid. You don't demand of a person fearlessness if there's nothing fearful about the journey. When we announce, be fearless about this, the implication is that there's a very relevant and legitimate reason to be afraid. We don't say, don't be afraid, except to somebody who is afraid. Because at that point, the person is terrified. There's a trembling within the spirit. There's a trembling within the self, where we encounter that very realistic experience that a moment ago, I was living in a suspended state of disbelief, where I allowed myself the comforts of Amuna where I allowed myself to find comfort within the promise that everything is okay. I didn't have to encounter the world. I didn't have to encounter work. I didn't have to encounter all of the painful granules of whole experience. And the next moment I find myself once again assaulted and accosted from all sides with the news and the current events and the reality of being in this world to the point that a person can question the very relevancy of the Shabbos experience itself, chas v'shalom. So Rav Tzadok says, in the name of his Rebbe, al-tira. That's why we say, al-tira avdi Yaakov, do not be afraid, my servant Yaakov, because there's really a great reason to be afraid. It's totally legitimate to be terrified at this point. You are falling away from the supernal light of Shabbos, being cast back down into the brokenness of daily experience, and there's good reason to be afraid. But the Koyach of Motzei Shabbos is to not be afraid. The Koyach of Motzei Shabbos is to realize that there's a real reason to be afraid, but nevertheless, there's a deeper reason to not be afraid. And that's going to be the Avoida of Motzei Shabbos. Not that there's no reason to be afraid. On Shabbos, there's no reason to be afraid. As Rabbi Nachman tells us that the, the, the prince who came to save the city and to find peace in that field where everybody was terrified, the only reason he was able to find comfort and not be terrified and to stop running was because he connected himself to Shabbos. Shabbos is the ability to not be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. But comes Motzei Shabbos, the Avodah is different. The avoda is still not to be afraid, but it's not because there's no reason to be afraid. There's a very good reason to be afraid. There's an infinite amount of reasons to be afraid, 
But the avoid of Motzei Shabbos is to be koififetzatzmenu, to push ourselves and compel ourselves to uncover the faith and the trust that we encounter within the depths of fearfulness. That's what the Avodah of Motzei Shabbos is, how we can find within the pits of Misa, within the pits of death, the promise of everlasting life. Now, the mitzvos of Motzei Shabbos are going to be the main area of our discussion, but first we're going to discuss a minhag that was enacted by the Mikubalim to say the Pasuk Vayihi Noam on Motzei Shabbos. Hold on, I just dropped the Sefer. Okay, so the Arizal says as follows. He says, Kedusha uvalutzion b'motzei Shabbos. When we say Kedusha uvalutzion on motzei Shabbos, lahayir me'atzilus l'bria b'soy teisefes Shabbos, she'et kaimu kol hashvua. That the tfilos that we engage in on motzei Shabbos, when we say vayihi noyam, when we say let the pleasantness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu be upon us, the Arizal introduces a fundamental sugya, and I'm going to deviate slightly from the typical course in the which in which we we teach these teachings, and we're going to enter a little bit deeper into the sugyas of the Arizal himself. B'derech in the general framework, there are two directions in which the teachings of the Arizal can be understood. Now, this is obviously not an idea that starts with the Arizal. This is already expressed in the Sefer Habahir, one of the most original texts of Kabbalah that we have. But there's going to be two expressions of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light in our lives. There's going to be something called Or Yashar, a direct light that descends from above to below. And there's going to be something referred to as an Or Choyzer, a, rever- a, a reverberating light or a returning light that ascends from below to above. Now, typically speaking, on Shabbos, what we encounter is an or yashar. We experience a light that comes directly down from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't put effort in for it. It arrives. It happens to us. It is not something that we earned. Shabbos is kvua It exists in spite of our best efforts to be undeserving of it. Shabbos descends from above to below in the sense that we can see the source of its emanation. We can see the floodlights of Shabbos as they descend into our lives, allowing us to encounter Friday night and Shabbos day and Shalashuddis. But that light eventually hits its limit. When the light that descends from above to below hits the lowest possible space within an individual's personal reality, at that point, like any object that is dropped from on high to below, it hits resistance and it bounces back up. As Rav Huttner describes, that if a person throws a ball against a wall, so the strength that it takes for me to throw that ball is what carries that ball from the source down to its limit. But when it hits its limit, it bounces back with the residual strength that serves to push it back upwards. If Shabbos is the Oryashar, Shabbos is that direct light that comes down from above to below, where things are clear and clarified, Motzei Shabbos is the cessation of that light's descent and the limit point wherein that light begins to ascend once again. At that point, we are no longer seeing the direct source of the lights as they descend into our lives, where the source is clear and comfort is available, but rather we are experiencing the return, the hither side of experience, the silent retreat of those lights of Shabbos as they ascend back upwards. 
That is what Motzei Shabbos is about. It's the experience of Or Choser. We experience the retreat of the light of Shabbos. And the Avoidah of Motzei Shabbos is to grab hold of the coattails of that returning light, that experience of Shabbos that returns back to its source and to ascend along with it. That is what we encounter when we say Vayahi Noyam, that the pleasantness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be upon us. The pleasantness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that hope to find pleasantness within the world, is not the annihilation of darkness. Pleasantness is the desire and the hope to uncover feelings of pleasantness, feelings of comfort within the very opposite of comfort. The possibility of noyam, the possibility of that light of comfort that emerges on Motzei Shabbos is not a light of comfort that negates all discomfort, but it is the promise of comfort that can be found within the heart of discomfort itself. It's a very delicate but all-important distinction. On Shabbos, there's no possibility of discomfort. On Motzei Shabbos, there is a very real expression of discomfort, but the avoida is to see that within the heart of discomfort itself, there is a hidden noyam. There is a hidden light of pleasantness that if we choose to access and we choose to believe in, we can draw into the rest of our week as we're going to see next week, Be'ezras Hashem. So the Avoidah of Motzei Shabbos is to grab hold of the retreating lights of Shabbos. As Shabbos moves away from us, as Shabbos begins to leave, what we say to ourselves is, I am not going to allow this light to leave. I am not going to allow myself to be thrown into the abysmal pits, as Rav Sadok said. Because even within the abysmal pits, I can still remember that the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here. And even though that light is no longer present in the way that it was present on Shabbos, even though that light is no longer present in a way of direct expression from above to below, the memory of that light, the faith in that light, the trust in that concept is what gives us the ability to illuminate the abysmal depths. That is the avoid of Motzei Shabbos, to be mahapech, the abysmal depths of death, and to reveal that there is a hidden chayim, hidden within the cessation of death itself. It's a bigger chiddush on a certain level than Shabbos, because Shabbos is life without any possibility of death. Motzei Shabbos is death that reveals that there's even life within death. This allows us to enter a little bit into the mitzvahs of Motzei Shabbos, the time of Havdalah, and Be'ezrus Hashem, what we'll discuss right afterwards, is going to be the mitzvah of Malav Malka. By Havdalah, when a person looks at the mitzvahs of Havdalah, and a person can learn through the halachos of Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Brura and the Meforshim there, without any recourse to Pnimiya Satora, and a person who has a beating heart within them is, is, is by necessity going to be moved by the expressions about Motzei Shabbos. You don't need to search out in the hidden texts of Kabbalah and Hasidus and the students of the Vilna Gon to get a taste of Shabbos because the bare halachos of Motzei Shabbos themselves give birth to the mood that is meant to be cultivated. When a person encounters the mitzvah of Havdalah, first and foremost, there's the bracha on Yayin. Now, yayin, wine, is a severe drink. It's a drink of severity. It's a drink of potency. It's a drink that forces the individual to intensify themselves within themselves. The experience of wine drinking, the experience of 
intoxication when done in the proper way is one where the inner self begins to mumble, the inner self begins to rumble, and conversation begins to take place between the self and the self. When one is intoxicated on the hidden wine that is hidden in the grapes from the six days of creation, that yayin hamishumer ba'anavav, that wine that is hidden and concealed within the grapes from the existence of the primordial beginning of things, intoxication gives birth to a movement within the self, a duplicity within the self. I was originally singular, and now there's multiplicity within me. My thoughts begin to encounter one another, giving birth to a collision that gives birth to new lights. That experience of yayin can only take place by way of a severe drink, a drink that doesn't taste sweet, a drink that is red in its color, symbolic of gevura and dinim and hiskavsuts. Again, a sugya that is very, very much connected to the light of Purim, which again is the revelation of the light of life within death. So first and foremost, there's the encounter of the ayin by Havdalah, where a person allows for the instigation of movement within the recesses of the self to give birth to a more intense expression of the self, a doubling of the self, where thoughts encounter and collide with one another. And the minhagim with the ayin are remarkable, that not only is the ayin there to be drinking, but we need to take the ayin and we need to apply the ayin to our eyes. We need to allow our eyes to take on that vision of sweetened severity. Motzei Shabbos, yayin, gevura, those are all symbolic of severity, of gevuros, of the absence of the light of Shabbos, of that which takes place when things hit their limit. But on Motzei Shabbos, the limit is not the end of things, but it's the rebirth of something as it ascends back upwards. It's the redoubling of life even in the place of death. And therefore the menhagim of Yayin by Havdalah are to take that wine that typically represents severity and to place it in our eyes as if to say that let our vision this week be a vision that sees beyond death. Let me see beyond the brokenness of the whole. Let me see beyond the cessation of Shabbos. Let me illuminate my eyes with the vision of the yayin that is concealed within the grapes from the six days of creation that allows me to see the sweetness of chasadim within the severity of gavura, that allows me to uncover the promise of hope within the assault of hopelessness, that allows me to hit the border and then move upwards and say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you want me to feel as if Shabbos is over now? I'm not going to accept that. I'm just going to have to find you in a different way. I'm going to have to find you in the return of your light, in the absence of your light. And we take that fire of the Nair of Havdalah, and Rabbi Nachman makes a very big asik out of this. That fire is not allowed on Shabbos. Fire is that space of Gehenim, that space of destruction, that space of multiplicity. As the Leshem Shabob Achaloma points out in numerous places, chasadim are associated with water because water takes that which is disparate and separate and it forces it to cleave together. Like flour, when it's wet with water, becomes dough and it becomes thickened in a unified form. Fire is the polar opposite. The fire of Gavuros is that which disseminates something. It takes something that was originally singular and forces it into its irreducible remains like ashes. So fire is representative of pirud and separation. 
But on Motzei Shabbos, we take that fire and we extinguish it within the severity of the wine itself. What is referred to in the Svarim as Hamtakas Hadinim Bishayrasham, the sweetening of severity in its root. That sugya of that Butsina de Cardinusa, that dark light that allows us to find the potency of life within the recesses of darkness itself. And Rabbi Nachman makes a big asek out of the fact that there are two ways to look at the world. There are Me'ore Eish, there are different forces of destruction and destructive fires that create the mindset of period, of separation, of anxiety, of differentiation, of overwhelmingness, of all of the different elements that a person experiences when they look at the world through the lens of Gevura. But then there's something referred to as Me'ore Or, the different expressions of light. And those different expressions of light transforming darkness, transforming fire from a destructive force into an illuminating force is the avoida of Motzei Shabbos, to ensure that our eyes not be concealed by the duplicitous nature of the death-bringing light of the manifold flames of experience, but rather to force those manifold flames of experience to reveal the manifold lights of experience, wherein all disparate visions and all disparate ways of encountering life give birth to that conflagration, that madura, that fire of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that fire of the tzaddikim, of or tzaddikim yismach, that the light of the righteous shall bring joy. That's the avoda of the candle on Motzei Shabbos. Yes, we extinguish the flame, but we extinguish the flame in the severity of the wine to show that this very severity of death, this very encounter with concealment is what gives birth to the true joy, which is why we find the remarkable minhag amongst the Svardim, that by Havdalah there's laughter that by Havdalah there's a deep laughter that needs to take place. There's a laughter that is only possible in the awareness that the opposite of what we thought is true. The birthplace of laughter is Yitzchak. Yitzchak Avinu is the father of Gevuros, representative of severity, of concealment, of death, of silence, of all of the things that we're afraid of. Yet, his name is Yitzchak. His name is based on laughter. Because as the Chadush Arim teaches us and many tzaddikim teach us, that the light of Yitzchak is the ability to uncover life within death itself. Because as the Tikkun Zohar says, and Rav Yitzchak Meyer Morgenstern makes a big, big asek out of this, because it's very much one of the foundational elements of that tzaddik's teachings, the ability to laugh in the face of darkness, the ability to recognize that Yitzchak is oisios kates chai, the end, and life. It's the end of things, it's the death of things, yet it's the promise of the capacity to uncover life within the death of things. That's the laughter of Yitzchak Avinu. The Chadush Harim points it out most profoundly with regards to the absurdity of Yitzchak. What's funny about Yitzchak, the Chadush Harim asks, because theoretically and at first glance, there's absolutely nothing funny about Yitzchak. But what's funny about Yitzchak is Azoi that Yitzchak Avinu goes up to the Akedah, and Chazal tell us that Yitzchak didn't come down from the Akedah. Yitzchak Avinu is actually Nikra of Allah Mizbeach. Like we say on Rosh Hashanah, that Afro Yitzchak Munach Al Gabe Mizbeach, that the ashes, the remains of Yitzchak, rest upon the Mizbeach, as if Yitzchak Avinu met the limit. He died, he was destroyed, he no longer existed. Yet, 
On the other hand, we see Yitzchak walk down the mountain very much alive. And the Chedush Arim says, when you find and encounter a paradox as rich as life and death at once, the only reaction possible is one of laughter, because it's the laughter that is found at the heart of incongruity, where what I thought I would find, which is death, in truth I encounter life. And there is nothing funnier than that. So by the Sfardim, there's a minhag to laugh by Havdalah, because there's nothing funnier than taking Yayin and Eish, both of which are symbolic and representative of Gvura themselves, and transforming them into the possibility of finding continued rejuvenation of life, the willingness to enter into the new week without despondency, without hopelessness, but rather with a newfound intensity and a hope that, okay, the rest of the week is just going to be the preparation for the next Shabbos, Bezra Sashem. The Besamim themselves are also symbolic of this. We're told by our tzaddikim that the sense of smell is one that is deeply associated with Mashiach Tzidkenu, because as the Bnei Yisachar points out and other tzaddikim point out, every sense of Adam Arishon was nifgam. Every sense of Adam Arishon was polluted during chait of the Eitzadas. He saw the tree. He tasted the fruit. He listened to the words of Chava. He felt the tree. The one sense that was not polluted during that experience was the sense of smell. And for that reason, there's a kasha, says the Bnei Yisrael in Chazal, as to whether a person has to make a bracha on reyach, as to whether we have to make a bracha on smells. Why is it a kasha? Zak the Bnei Yisrael, that a bracha is the ability of a person to encounter the brokenness of existence and to elevate the lights of spirituality that still exist within it. But by reyach, we shouldn't have to make a bracha because everything is holy. Nevertheless, says the tzaddikim, that even though the sense of smell was not nifgam, nevertheless, because it's associated with the human being, it's still stuck within the human condition, and therefore we have to make a bracha. But we see from this that in truth, the sense of smell was not nifgam. This is why Mashiach Tzidkenu, as Rabbi Nachman points out in the second teaching of Lakut Maran Tarebez, that the sense of Mashiach is the sense of smell, Ruach Apenu Mashiach Hashem, which is Roshe Tevos Meir, which is Roshe Tevos of Rabbi Meir, who was able to look at the darkness of death, to look at the darkness of Acher, who got stuck in that duplicitous nature of the Eitzadas Tovara, and was able to say that no, everything is unified still. Everything is still unified. That sense of smell of Ruach Apenu Mashiach Hashem is what we encounter when we smell the besamim. So we see how the Avoida of Havdalah is all recognizing that within the apparent darkness, what we truly encounter is the promise of everlasting life. And now, with the remaining time, I'd like to move forward a little bit into the mitzvah of Malava Malka. Now, originally, these two shirim were meant to be separate from one another, but I'm excited to, to, to start teaching the, the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. And so I think that tonight is going to be the only shir on Motzei Shabbos. And next week, Bezra Hashem is going to be a culmination of the shirim. So what we're going to try and do very quickly now in the next 10 minutes or so is discuss the mitzvah of Malava Malka and to discuss the possibility of Elio Anavi. But it could be that Elio Anavi will be next week's year, depending on, you know, where the words take us. Malava Malka is the fourth meal of Shabbos, the meal that is associated with David Malka Mashiach. 
And again, everything that we've been speaking about, the possibility of finding life within death, of finding light within darkness, is embodied and symbolized by David Malka Mashicha, that David Melech Yisrael Chayvekayim, that David Melech Yisrael lives forever. Ah, but he died. So the simple way of understanding this is that no, maybe he didn't really die, maybe death doesn't mean death, but the depth of the matter is that no, he died, but that's not a contradiction to life. Because the light of Motzei Shabbos is the ability to uncover the lights of life, the potency of the Oros that exist even in the departure and the extinguishment of those lights. That there is nothing, quite literally nothing, not even the limit of all limits, not even the lowest place imaginable, that is devoid of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that is devoid of the invigorating light of life, that Or HaChayim that ascends out of whatever we perceive as human beings. Kolzman that we're breathing, Kolzman that we're aware, there is more right with us than there is wrong with us. No matter where one finds themselves on the ladder and the chain of being, one must demand to uncover Chayim. One must demand to uncover the residual effects of life itself, that even death, is not the cessation of life. There's life within death as well, which is the light of even before the end of time. Now the Suda of Malava Malka, the Suda of David Malka Mashicha, exemplifies this very element. Because this is an idea that's brought down the halacha, that when a person eats Malava Malka, the question is, where is that food going? Where is that sustenance going? And Chazal tell us, the Mishnabura brings it down, and the, the Beis Yosef brings it down already, that there is a bone within the individual that survives death. That bone is referred to as the Luz bone, the Etzem Haluz. The Etzem Haluz is the irreducible element of the human being that survives in the Kever. Everything can be taken away from a person. Their Moichen can be taken away. Their oirais can be taken away. Their hope can be taken away. Their desire can be taken away. Their dreams can be taken away. Their life can be taken away. But there is an irreducible element within the neshama of each and every person. That place of singularity, that yechida shebenefesh, which is irreducible because it is not our own. It is a chilek eloi kaimimal mamish. Whereas Rafutner describes it as hektish. And even if we try and be metame hektish, it's not within our rishos to be metameh. That place is represented by the etzem haluz, that indestructible, irreducible bone that survives death and extinguishment itself. Now, lo aleinu, this became a relevant matter when it came to that which happened in the years of wrath, when there were Jewish people, lo aleinu, who needed to be buried and there was nothing that remained. The Poiskim said, Chazal tell us that there's an irreducible bone called the Etzem Haluz, that place of Luz, that town of Luz, where the Malach HaMavas has no Shlita, that exists. And even if we can't see it, our belief is that it remains. And therefore, the body could be buried because there is something indestructible. There is something that survives death itself. There is something that lives beyond the absence of life. And that is what is being nourished on Motzei Shabbos. The food that we eat when we sing the mournful, ecstatic songs of Elio Hanavi and David Malka Mashiach, and where we daven Baruch Hu to give us the ability to survive the traumatic fall into the brokenness of the weak, that avoida is the avoida of nourishing the etzem haluz, the avoida of nourishing that which survives death. Now, to end on a personal note, and Bezras Hashem, next week we're going to talk about Elio Anovi.
we're going to talk about Elio Anavi and his Avoida on Motzei Shabbos. And as Rabbi Nachman tells us, why it's hard for a Jew to sleep on Shabbos. Why it's hard for a person to settle their minds on Motzei Shabbos. Because we're assaulted with the murmurings of redemption. We're assaulted with an ever-present feeling of truth that is too profound for us to find slumber in. That's what we're going to discuss next week. But in my own personal life, my Saba, Rav Yisrael Rosenfeld, who survived the flames of Auschwitz and came out the other side with a deep faith, a deep and abiding faith. He came from the space of Satmar, from the town of Chust, and his father was Rav David, Rav David from Chust, Rav David Rosenfeld. Rav David, Hashem Yim Komdomo, who was murdered al Kiddush Hashem, was somebody who had a very close relationship with Rav Yoelish of Satmar something that is very much entrenched within the blood. And what I heard from my Saba and what I heard from my father and what I hear over and over from my father is that even in Auschwitz, even in that place that is devoid of life, even in that place that has no light whatsoever, that my Saba's father of David from Chust was Moser Nefesh to save food to ensure that he had what to eat from Lav Malka. That even in those times, even in those times where there was nothing, there was no life whatsoever, on a revealed level, there was a belief, there was a deep and abiding Mesiris Nefesh to uncover the life that exists within death itself, to feed that Etzem Haluz, to hold on to the dregs of food that these people were served, and to ensure that there would be enough for the Sudasa, the Dovin Malka Mashiach that there'd be enough to sustain the etzem haluz, to promise that even within the depths of depravity, within the depths of death itself, within Misa itself, that there is an irreducible ore, that there is a light that persists, that there is a light of life that survives death itself. And that is what the Jewish people are made on, on Motzei Shabbos. That instead of encountering the despondency of death, we encounter the light of life that finds itself nestled within the death throes itself that for the Jewish people, death is even not scary because we live beyond death. And if by Yenem and if by Esav and if by the philosophers of Esav, life is a walking towards death, by the Jewish people, it's a life that survives death. It's a light that persists in spite of everything. And that avoidah of Moetzei Shabbos, that avoidah of Teshuka, that avoidah of yearning for what we had, and even though we lost it, we know it will remain, that life that survives death itself is what we encounter in the mitzvahs of Havdallah, in the Or Choyzer, and that reverberating light in the Suda of Davin Malka Mashicha. And Be'ezras Hashem, what we'll end with next week is the avoid of Elio Anavi, that Basura Tov of that good news that comes and says, Chevra, you thought that Shabbos died, but Shabbos didn't die. Now we have to start counting to the next Shabbos. Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos, Hayom Yom Sheni B'Shabbos. And how the Avoida of Eliyahu Tishbi, Eliyahu Navi, is to come and show us how even after death, life is all that continues. And Bezras Hashem will end next week with the series of Shirim on Shabbos. And then we'll be Zaycha to start with the person who it's a mitzvah to speak about the stories of him on Motzei Shabbos is the Balsham Tavakadosh, who came to awaken us from death, who came to awaken us from slumber. And Bezras Hashem, we should be Zaycha to. Uh, 
to, to, to understand, to taste a little bit of, of, of what, what Motzei Shabbos is trying to feed us, Be'ezrus Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.